Alright, uh, welcome back to the uh, Stafford Beer Brain of the Firm reading group. Uh, we're continuing to read chapter 17, uh, and we're starting here uh, with the section on the Checo programs. Uh, so this, uh, to recap, is covering essentially uh, System 4 stuff, uh, and uh, let's, let's get into it. Uh, so, Beer writes, The basic tools for handling systems 321 information have been discussed. Cybernet and Cyberstride. Information about the internal operations of any viable system will, in certain circumstances that were examined in Part 3, be transmitted to systems 345. But System 4 is charged with the task of providing plans to steer the whole organization which is not merely the sum of systems one in their particular environments. In the case of a national economy, the environment is firstly the whole of the nation and not some sector of it, embedded secondly in the environment of the community of all nations. Uh, so, yeah, saying uh, Cybernet and Cyberstride cover 321. Uh... <coughs> Uh, there's that linkage between system 3 and then 4 and 5 uh, but uh, system 4 needs to cover the whole of the nation in the case of uh, CyberSyn which is embedded in the world system uh, in Chile there was an institution known as Odaplan an acronym for the National Planning Office, in which, the, which in theory reported to the president through a director holding ministerial status. It had little influence in practice. Its methodology was based on that favored by national planners in many parts of the world, and particularly by the Eastern Bloc, input-output analysis. Its work was published and very polished within these terms. But, as one of the core group wrote, in point of fact, it has become an institution dedicated to preparing the national accounts and developing statistical reports. Odaplan was not poised to create a true system for function any more than the National Office of Statistics and Census could have performed the System 3 function that Cyberstride would fulfill. One can find comparable institutions in most countries, and it seems ironic that although they are usually defined, as in Chile, in terms of the four three functions of a viable system, they nowhere embrace a methodology that could conceivably discharge those functions of a viable system. Nowhere means nowhere as far as I know, but I can certainly list some countries other than Chile of which the statement has at some time been true. To my knowledge, uh, to my personal knowledge, and indeed distress. Britain, Canada, India, Italy, Denmark, and Jamaica. In fact, the Chilean operative plan mentioned in the last section was under the control of the budget office in the Ministry of Finance, which is exactly where one would expect to find the real power. Chapter 13 indicates the route taken via systems models and their simulation that I had successfully argued we should take during the first meeting in Chile. Witness the activity of an economic modeling shown in the PERT chart of Chapter 16. Let the January 1972 report from London, which restated the case, take, again take over the story. It is certainly possible to contemplate the use of large input-output analyses as a means of balancing the Chilean economy, but there are three major problems with this approach. First, matrix models are very poor in structure, since structure can be depicted only by listing constraints on the equations which the rows represent. This is a shortcoming even when the structure is known and accepted. But if, as I take it, an objective is, to actu or is actually to restructure the Chilean economy, this is a poor tool indeed. It is very difficult to introduce stochastic elements into input-output models, yet economic life is a stochastic process. 
Number three, Chile is plunged into an epoch of rapid change and therefore the most important feature of any System 4 representation of the economy should be the adequate reflection of its dynamics. Input-output is deplorably static. I therefore recommend a wholly different approach. We need a simulation model of the industrial sectors and their interactions embedded in an environment that takes account of the investment capability in terms of both foreign exchange and domestic savings. The emphasis will be on structure, which can be changed by inserting new feedback loops, for example, and on the dynamic interplay of the factors modeled, which produces multiplier effects of crucial importance. This model would be used to mediate between the detail of current performance arising from the 3-2-1 monitoring system and the current structural situation as, or as reflected by the operative plan. On the one hand, and uh, sorry, on the one hand, and the formulation of strategy on the other. System 4, in short, is a mediator between systems 3 and 5. With a simula simulator of this kind, we can investigate the nature of the trap states in which the economy is currently enmeshed, and which appear to be functions of a meta-system that extends beyond the national boundaries. For example, if foreign exchange earnings have been used to support a service sector, supporting in turn the high consumption, low savings pattern of the elite groups to whom they flow, then this would count as a trap state. When these systems are demonstrated, the effect of single measures, land reform, copper nationalization, will predictably be seen as sufficient in themselves to break out of the traps. Cybernetic considerations certainly suggest that new structure involving new information pathways and harnessing of motivational factors will be needed to achieve Chile's radical political goals. The simulator will be the government's experimental laboratory. Can this be done? The first PERT chart called for a tentative model of this kind by the March deadline. On this timescale, there is only one way into the problem, and that is to make use of the immediately available Dynamo compiler that has been extensively developed over many years by J.W. Forrester of MIT. I have directed three projects in the past using this compiler and have found it to be a powerful and flexible tool. Accordingly, I sought out R.H. Anderton, a systems engineer brought up in the aerospace industry who switched to OR and the human sciences and whose work is referred to in Chapter 13 of Brain. He managed one of the three projects just mentioned and is, in my opinion, exponential deleted. So uh, Beer had some kind of positive thing to say about uh, uh, Anderton, but that was removed from the text. He holds a senior job in industry, but is thinking of switching to academic life. We also involved K.A. Gilligan, a mathematical physicist and statistician who went into OR and has been involved in real-time corporate modeling. In this way, the Checo, or Chilean economy research, was born. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, so, Jeremy, what, do, uh, what would you like to say about this section? So, Ron Anderton is still around. Um, he's done a lot of work with Elena Leonard. Um, he and she edited an anthology of Stafford's writings called uh, How Many Grapes Went Into the Wine. And he also helped create Teams Integrity. And in a lot of books where Stafford invites multiple authors, Ron Anderton is one of the people he invites. So, yeah, he's still around. He's a very, very interesting person. Cool. Uh, Shane, and we'll go to uh, Matt. Yeah, just like a sort of minor thing. Like, it's interesting that... Um, when he's when he's picking on like the input output modeling, um, he says that the matrix models are very poor in structure because the structure can only be depicted by listing constraints on the equations. Um, but then, in his proposed alternative model, he's also focusing on structure. But the structure is going to be like so. He says the emphasis will be on structure, which can be changed by inserting new feedback loops, for example. So it's they're, they're getting a better quality of structure by having this kind of dynamic feedback-based thing, and it's not just like listing a bunch of constraints, it's actually adding feedback loops and adding information flows and, and tuning both of them that gives you the structure. And it's it like, 
later they're talking about like the need to restructure the economy. So describing the current set of constraints in an input-output table isn't going to do it. You're going to need a model that can dynamically adapt, and the, you need to be able to insert new feedback loops, in fact, um, to, to possibly be able to, um, to, uh, to make those kinds of changes. It's, just a, it's, an, it's an interesting emphasis on getting structure from dynamism. Yeah, and I mean, certainly the uh, input-output work that was being done in the Soviet Union at this time was uh, largely academic, um, and uh, I don't think it was the fact that it was input-output that led to it being irrelevant and academic, but it definitely uh, falls under the same uh, criticisms that Beer levels against uh, the original originally existing ODA plan, right? Like it's, um, it was disconnected from actual, uh, policy implementation and, uh, not very useful. Uh, so, um, there's a similar kind of problem, uh, that, that existed in the USSR, uh, even though the, like, reasons for its lack of adoption weren't simply technical, but often just, uh, you know, driven by uh, political resistance as well. Um, Matt, go ahead. Yeah, man, I, was, I, I, I also honed in on uh, um, him talking about how, like, you know, what, what, once you're not taking, um, you know, structural things as fixed you know like 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 once it's not just a matter of you know we we, we need trucks to be you know um uh, making return trips um uh, uh you know like uh in less than you know x amount of days and uh, uh but you know the driver also has to not be on the road for for, for more than y hours you know like uh, uh yeah i mean uh you know you you had yeah you, yeah you can't necessarily use uh you know like the more traditional yeah well optimized you know operations research um uh, uh, tools in the same kind of way and uh, uh you know it's interesting that yeah that the, the simulations um uh, um you know like were you know were his tool of choice for that and i'm also getting a sense of this of, of like a yeah i feel like um you know if, if i was going to point to one thing that like beer was like a master of it's it's a uh, uh, jumping between layers of abstraction and just like using like the right tool for for, for the right job um uh, uh, there because i mean like I'm, I'm sure like you know once structural once the right feedback loops are set up you know it, it probably was back to the input output tables but i mean you know like um, I, I feel like that's even, it's even also reflecting this metrics I, I think um when you're uh, the, the 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 very very baseline was uh, one was you know where you're just trying to um, uh, make sure that week to week like you're um, hitting you know like what you know you can do like that's probably the input output tables but while you know like you're um, I think you're going for uh, um, I, th I think the word was latency like you know we're going from uh, uh, what you've been capable of doing to what's theoretically possible I think like that's when he goes to like the uh, um, yeah the, the the dynamo simulations. Right. Um, so does he does he say anywhere he was using input output for this project? Uh, um, uh, um, I, I think it's what what he means by, by the matrix things, though. Um, uh, that you know, it's it's you know, it's operations research techniques. You know, yeah, yeah, you're optimizing some quantity or some set of yeah, uh, uh, you know, with, with, with respect to some constraints. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, that's 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 interesting. Yeah, I mean, but he just criticizes those, right? Yeah, he says he's gonna. He recommends an entirely different approach. Um, so I mean, probably learn something from from input outputs. But I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, is, is that like a, when you know when 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 you're just trying to like sort of uh, um, figure out like uh, um, more more kind of like on the ground details, like uh -huh. and, yeah. And so, you know, he, uh, uh, you know, what, like, almost certainly still using that, you know, like when, when he's going from, a, you know, I, I forget the, the names of his KPIs, but like, you know, when, when you're just trying to make sure from week to week that, you know, you, uh, you know, and, uh, and they'll tell you, oh, you know, if, if, if it's raining, you know, like, like you have to make these adjustments versus like structural things where, you know, they probably actually won't tell you like the little details that, that you need um, uh, for, 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 for certain things. Like you'll probably go back to, 
um, uh, you know, the operations research models. But if there are structural things, like, you know, you need to move to a different tool. Well, like, uh, uh, yeah. So the so the, the thing here is that the, the input-output modeling is insufficient specifically for System 4 stuff. But it could be, yeah, I, I, I think that would be a good way to put it, yeah. Sure, gotcha. Right. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense. Uh, I'm not sure there's clear evidence that that's actually what was done, but I do definitely see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so, uh, in this way, the, the Checo research was born. It was under the direction uh, in Chile of Mario Grandi. Another Chilean, Hernan Aviles, uh, came to London for training. Obviously, this was a mammoth undertaking, but the first runs of a tentative internal model were being made in June 1972 against the target date of March, and by September, there was an experimental model of the economy at the macroeconomic level, which included sub-models of the... Uh, sorry, of the generation of national income, inflation, and foreign exchange. The light industry, Rama, and the automotive industry had been chosen at two different economic, or sorry, had been chosen at two different microeconomic levels of recursion. Simulations were run for years ahead. They were thought-provoking. But the team saw itself as learning the trade, and no one was anxious to place reliance on the results. Communications with Ron Anderton by, th by this time at Lancaster University and having other commitments were not easy. The development came to a virtual halt after the third epoch, uh, which is covered in the next chapter. Therefore, it does not seem worthwhile to give elaborate details, although these are still preserved. Um... There's one other thing I actually remembered I wanted to talk about regarding uh, the previous section here. So, um, Beer brings up this discussion of trap states. Uh, and I, I just wanted to sort of clarify or ask, like, this model, uh, it's this System 4 model that they develop, it's essentially trying to maximize for is it like GNP that they're working towards like uh, when they're trying to avoid trap states it sounds like they're essentially trying to like avoid uh not capital flight, but like, well, basically economic uh, dynamics that are draining capital out of the country so that they can maximize national accumulation. Uh, Shane, you had something to say? So I, that, that, I think that's possible. I think I, I read the trapped state thing as being more generally about uh, the kind of stuff that Ashby talks about, of like if you have uh, variables and you make a graph out of them, there's going to be areas of the graph that are like sinks, like that if, if you fall into the hole, you'll never get out of it. You yeah, know, yeah. Like if, if you transition into the state, you'll probably never get out, Which of which I think capital flight will be an example of a, a sort of downward slope that you can re not realistically return from. Um, and I think I think what the the system four thing is trying to do is to optimize for the ability to navigate out and away from trapped states. So like you could you could also imagine um, maybe it's maybe the example is like the the centralization decentralization bounce back and forth that companies get trapped in, where in one one tick it's decentralized and the next tick it's centralized and back and forth and back and forth. That would be a trap. It's an oscillator that jumps between two islands, um, and the system four would want to pull out of that dynamics that you're you're getting out of the sinkholes and away from the sinkholes so I, I took it to be a bit more general but those those are all concrete specific examples of the kinds of traps that you'd want to avoid because um, yeah if you, if you start down the slope towards capital flight, you're not going to come out of it um, similarly hyperinflation whatever you're not mm. going to come out of that um, 
I don't know, nuclear war. You're not going to come back from that. You know, there's, there's all these traps and holes that you don't ever want to fall into. Um, right. Um, well, I'm just thinking here when he says that trap states in which the economy is currently enmeshed and which appear to be functions of a meta system that extends beyond the national boundaries. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it sounds to me like they're grappling with, like, you know, we'll trying to remove themselves or respond to mm-hmm. uh relations of dependency right mm-hmm. like in like world systems in the world's systems theory sense absolutely yeah yeah so this and, is um, this is mainly about capital accumulation as far mm-hmm. as i can tell well, like national it, capital it, accumulation it's it's about your landscape being disciplined by the other force right that, that yeah. there's this you're embedded in this other thing and it's i mean to, to go back to the kind of like traps and slopes thing it's like it's it's pushing you towards the slope and your your task is to kind of navigate around it in a kind of dynamic way to try and push yourself away. Um, but yeah, it, it is interesting that they had this like transnational meta system in mind right from the start, right? Mm-hmm. So that they're you know, ultimately it's a kind of failed project because it's it's just uh, localized to one small island. But there's the hints there of like the indication that you would need the kind of um, McNair sort of like continental majority sort of thing to actually really escape that trap um because if if your power ends at the border and you are you are everything inside the border is disciplined by this system that's outside the border then um yeah that's an extremely difficult situation to to, to even begin to navigate around yeah 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 but i mean again it, you can only sort of operate at the level of recursion you can operate at mm-hmm. in there Indeed. They're trying to adapt to their environment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Tom and then Jake. Yeah, like I assume it's just like you You guys, have, maybe Jeremy or somebody will t- uh, know more than this, but I assume it's just like kind of basic, like what today is called econometrics models that they're trying to design. I don't know how, you know, how, how good econometrics was at the time, but um I think the idea with these trap states as well would be to say, like, let's say they want to model us, uh, um, say, having problems getting foreign currency and then within our model, seeing what parameters you could push to, say, counterbalance that. So not so much just to identify where the traps are, but also seeing like what are exit strategies from them. I'd also say like that, you know, you don't ever get stuck in these traps forever, like because other things happen, like war, uh, debt relief, um, you know, even hyperinflation. It goes to a critical point. You just launch a new currency, you know. So, uh, you know, uh, I wonder how, like, my whole thing problem with this Checo program is like, you know, how do you model for the CIA? You know, how, you know, is there where where do you put your CIA function into the econometric model? And it's it's really, really non-linear stuff that you can't even, like, you can't even put a, like, you can put one, but like, how do you design a non-linear function for like CIA interference? You know, it's like, how the fuck knows how you model that? You know, and you need that in this model. Right, if it's to perform a proper system for a function, you need it. Uh, Jake, go ahead. Yeah, I think uh, people have kind of touched on what I, how I feel like he's trying to talk, like what he's meaning when he talks about like those states that people get stuck or that these systems get stuck in. But I, I think, you know, just to touch on that, like, yeah, like a true system four is adaptable to the point where it's not, you know, it's not just going on, it's not just like sort of, um, what's the word, like course, like, coasting on the sort of inertia from here's how things were done you know that's the whole point of like beers like the vsm of everything and it's like trying to not not take for granted everything that exists in how organizations are set up but like actually thinking about well what's the most uh efficient and like actually capable way of doing this and and we've been talking about like in past sessions like 
how what does a system for like what is what do these models look like what what are the metrics that you use to measure like an organization you know socialist organization or an economy like what are those things that take into account the really like the unknowns and you know i would say partially like just thinking about i've just been reading this this uh this union organizers handbook for the uh, amalgamated transit union that uh, someone sent me. And it talks about how unions so rarely invest in organizing new uh, workers and new in new industries even. And that idea of like, well, if, you know, what, what's the way out of a, of a, what's the way against the CIA? Like, how do you plan against it? It's to like create new seeds for this VSM to sprout in other places so that it can't be like stamped down if a fascist coup occurs because of CIA meddling, you know, and clearly like they didn't, they weren't prepared for that. I mean, it's fucking tough to, to prepare for that and give, especially given the time constraints and economic constraints and all that stuff. But like to have like a, a true lasting proletarian, like system four, system five, that sort of thing. Like it requires that kind of flexibility of tactics and, like understanding that growth in a meta sense, not just like growth for growth's sake or growth like along the like metrics that, you know, these like input output, like things we're measuring before, like those were clearly not working. And it's kind of, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it kind of all comes down to like, what are the, what are the ways to measure these things? And I don't fucking know, but it's interesting to think about and, I and like Beer is saying, and I'd, I'd like to think it's true, is that there are those things. Those things exist, but it's just a matter of finding them, measuring them, modeling them, and like integrating them. Uh, yeah, and Shane? Yeah, like kind of maybe riffing on both what uh, Jake and Tom have been saying. Um, I suspect that the like the, the whole the whole question of like oh how do you model the CIA is that you, you don't right like that I think I think the proper instantiation of a system for would have to be clusters of human brains and and discourse and dialogue, um, because I, I I have a suspicion that trying to formalize these things in uh, computer systems is probably not going to work out because you'll always have this problem of like how do you how do you specify the thing well enough to be able to compute it, and if natural matter itself is always the best computer of its own state. Like when I read some of this stuff, I kind of almost suspect that Beard didn't quite drink his own Kool Aid hard enough on this point. That because um, like even on, in the World War II like operations room, when they were trying to predict the paths of uh, of airplanes, they ended up just using expert pilots. They would sit them in a chair and have them look at the the data readouts, and then they would sit there and stare at them and go, "They're going to turn north," and just that's just their instinct, right? Because like the the brain is the computer that does that. Um, and the reason for that was that those those expert pilot brains were vastly better at computing that um, that result based on this fuzzy data. They were better than they could have ever expected a computer to be because they would have to then formalize what the pilot was doing, which would become sort of impossible. Right? It's, it's kind of irreducible. So I think the right way to do this system four stuff is to basically you have like layers, like systems one, two, and three be computerized and automated. But then systems four and five have to be extremely organic, which is an inversion of the usual technocracy angle, where the lower levels are organic and they're in service of a machine god above them. In, in I think in the ideal sort of cyber communist sense, it's the machines were subservient to an organic god above it above them, um, and this this system four five like hyper intelligence process has to be clusters of organic brains. Um, in order for it to get any kind of a grip on problems like the CIA, which are which I think are just not computable in that sense. Well, I mean, they're not computable in the sense that like the the model isn't going to cover CIA strategy, but they, they like the model could still be useful for exactly what they used it for, right? Like, <laughs> oh, they've organized this trucker strike, so what's the consequences of that, right? And then. Mm-hmm you know, the model will tell you where the pain points might be that you need to respond yeah. to. Uh, I guess the difficulty is always going to be that you, it, the model will cover the stuff that you've told the model to cover. And it's, it's, that's always, that's kind of going to be stuff that you're already, 
already have a grip on. But the 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 unforeseen stuff is I think it will jump out to a to a brain faster than it will jump out to a computer. Right. Well, yeah, and that's why you need to kind of uh, work in conjunction with what the model can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the centaur sort of yeah. um, uh, arrangement, yeah, certainly. Mm-hmm. Tom? Yeah, I just think, like, a lot of people have kind of, you know, I don't know what's the word, like, a model, you know, model fetish. You know, and um, it's something to be very wary of that you can use them as as guides, but they're only as good as the person who's building them. You know, uh, I've just literally been watching one on econophysics uh, for econ- um, yeah, econophysics. And, you know, some of the modeling was, you know, just rubbish. You know, they, 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 they give you a similar output graph to what you want, but the logic behind them is just it's arbitrary. So like. Um, you got to be quite careful about the choice of model. I also think like the fact that this part wasn't really a success, you know, Beer himself is, he's not a Marxist or like, uh, you know, somebody who understands like, you know, like say like Lenin or somebody who understands like what the bourgeois, what the bourgeois are capable of, how they can destroy your economy. It's kind of no surprising that all these guys are working for Anderson Consulting and thinking, oh yeah, this is just like modeling, you know, the Belgian economy, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's. Uh, Matt, go ahead. Yeah, and then, uh, I think one of the takeaways for like, uh, you know, like what tended to work and what tended to, to, to not was, uh, someone said earlier, yeah, 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 uh, you know, it's, it's, as Shane said, it's, it's systems one one to three, you know, like uh, the communication was always like, you know, the, like the big thing that really, um, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, affected things. And uh, and even like the, the more computational stuff, as far as I can tell, is like, was really more about integrating like multiple information streams so that it was consumable by a human. Like, uh, uh, you know, because that, that, that's one of the things the computer can do that, you know, like a person reasonably can't, you know, just take streams from, you know, a whole bunch of different factories and, uh, um, you know, look like, like then, uh, uh, you, know, uh, tr- you know, turn that in, into actionable insights. And so, I know, yeah, like in, in terms of, uh, uh, um, uh, in terms of like, like the trucker strike, you know, lo- lo- like, uh, uh, you know, it, it was the coordination and communication stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, on the top of my head, if, I, if, I, if I'm going to think about um, uh, how to, um, how to model the CIA? Yeah, on the one hand, you know, like you, you probably actually could think of uh, of of certain things to even like put into your model of just like okay, sabotage is something that they can do. You know, um, uh, uh, you know, going into uh, uh, the military is something that they can do, and you know, like maybe if they gone a little bit further, um, uh, uh, I don't know how much how, um, what the state of like social network analysis models were at this point. Uh, they might not have existed, um, uh, but you know, like what uh, uh, seeing you know how likely each officer is to you know. Um, uh, uh, work for the U.S. and seeing who their friends are and stuff like like you could do that, but uh, but probably like most important than anything, more more than anything else, well, I think probably have just been like uh, the coordination thing because I, I feel like you know what the the way that Ku actually succeeded was by breaking coordination. Like, like as far as I can tell, you know, um, constitutional loyalists plus like actual socialists, you know, combined actually were the majority in the military. It's just that, you know, like, uh, you know, but partially they, they got very lucky, you know, they took a very big gambit. Um, uh, um, but, you know, like if, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, you know, the, the, the loyalist and, uh, um, you know, and, and if the liberals and socialists um, uh, had, you know, been able to like coordinate around something and maybe even with uh, groups like Mirror and, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the other, um, uh, um, you know, uh, leftist militias, you know, like uh, I think that day would have turned out differently. And, uh, you know, like, uh, so, so that would probably be, yeah, yeah. if I can go back in time, yeah, you know, create like a red phone where Mir can call, you know, Moneda and, you know, and vice versa. And, uh, you know, like, you know, you know, like which officers, you know, either because, you know, they, they just don't think coups are a good idea because, you know, they live in, they live in a pretty stable democracy, really. And, or, you know, or they themselves are Marxists. You know, like, uh, you know, have bat phones and, uh, and, and have ways that everyone can get in communication, uh, ideally ones that are hard to disrupt. Right. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, go ahead. You know, Beer was very interested in assembling these sort of multidisciplinary teams. And you kind of wish he'd had video game designers with him because he was trying to play the game in normal mode when the game was really being played in hell mode. And 
the system didn't really take hell mode into account. If there had been game designers in the system, they'd be like, okay, well, what if orcs climb up through the sewers and start stabbing everyone with pikes? Like, you'd come up with ways to, you know, how could this get completely messed up? I mean, another thing point to bring up is uh, the Communist Party of Chile was very critical of Allende for not arming the workers. And there were other radical groups that weren't the Communist Party itself. There's a really interesting book people should read called uh, Chile, The Gorillas Are Amongst Us by Gilos Prieto. That's a really angry, exasperated critique of Allende coming from much further left. Saying all the times, you know, it's kind of like in the USA we're seeing right now the Democrats dealing with the Republicans where they're like, I'm sure we can find some reasonable Republicans who we can reach out to and sort of make deals with when it's not like that. And I think Allende really believed that if he obeyed the law, was a strict constitutionalist and did everything the right way, that it was going to work. And that that those constraints were more important to him than winning, you know. But he also was aware. I mean, the object lesson of say the Bolsheviks, where winning was more important than following the rules, with the result being the rules went out the window and things got very nightmarish. So I, I think it's very complex about that. But yeah, there were people in Chile who understood this, who were very critical of the way things played out. Yeah, fair enough. Um, uh, Matt, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, the, but I, 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 yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, the, the, the other takeaway would be, and, and I guess, you know, having a relationship between, um, uh, uh, you know, Marxist officers and left-wing militias is, is I guess, a sub-thing um, uh, 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 of this. But yeah, I mean, constitutional disloyalty in general. Like, not, like, you know, playing, like, these rules as if, you know, like, as if, as if, like, they matter. And having a purely, like, uh, cost-benefit analysis and, uh, uh, you know, mentality in terms of, like, okay, what rules can I get away with breaking? You know, like, uh, you know, just not, 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 not engaging good faith. You know, just always, you know, always looking for that, li- for that little bit of advantage. Um, uh, uh, and, you know, and, you know, like, it doesn't just mean that you can just uh, uh, change the government overnight. Because, you know, if you do it too quickly, yeah, like, you know. You, yeah, they, 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 they have ways of smacking you, but you know, like, like uh, yeah, always keeping an eye out for how can I, you know, um, uh, organize the working class better, or uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, yeah, just like uh, you know, make, make like a more you know stable, like a uh, 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 powerful uh, 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 workers' movement. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm not sure you want to uh, always uh, approach things in terms of. Uh, uh, pure, uh, instrument, instrumental reason. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> cause you, you, as, as Jeremy said, you end up in a situation where norms degenerate and, uh, you, you may actually, uh, lose your morale, uh, overall, but, uh, it, it's worth considering where you can cut the corners. Uh, cause yeah, if you, if you just stick to the rules constantly, and your opponents obviously aren't, uh, you are going to get outmaneuvered because they know what you will not, will not do, and it's easy to work around that. Um, all right, so uh, let's let's return to uh, the rest of this discussion of, of Checo and uh, its failures. Um, <clears throat> so... Uh, um, Last paragraph on two six seven. I think it begins with secondly. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we've done this the second to last paragraph yet either. Uh, yes, no. Actually, you're right. That's yeah. Quite true. Uh, yeah. In in the first place. Uh, so I'll just start here. But while the Checo team was undertaking these experiments in the spirit of a pro, pro uh, sorry pro prolegomenon. Uh, that's that's a tough word. <laughs> Prolegomenon to a full-bodied system four. 
I had certain drives of my own to discuss with Mario Grandi and often his team on a short-term basis. In the first place, study was required of the dissemination of results when they were obtained of any national model to the sectors, of any sectorial model to the enterprises, and so on, down to the workers' committees. The problem of recursivity in the viable system had not been solved for System 4, although it had been for System 3. Uh, see Project Cybersyn later. The Checo team set out to study these issues, and with some success, there was nothing to block their progress, and they were a well-balanced interdisciplinary team, which included a psychologist and which other national and which other national planning group could boast such an active member. Had the work gone on, much would have come of this initiative, as the perusal of the later se sections will imply. Secondly, the real reason for a lack of confidence in the results of the simulations that were coming out was not that the team was inexperienced, as their humility declared, but that the data were untrustworthy. As is usual with national figures, they were out of date, and also, and also as usual, they were differential, differentially lagged. Too little attention has ever been paid to these and associated dangers in the origins and development of dynamo simulations that have achieved worldwide attention and continue to do so. Obviously, my own plan was not to rely on such national statistics anymore. I wanted to inject information in real time into the Checo programs via Cyberstride. Thus, any model of the economy, whether macro or micro, would find its base and make its basic predictions in terms of aggregations of low-level data, as has often been done. But Checo would be updated every day by the output from systems 1, 2, 3, and would promptly rerun a 10-year simulation, and this has never been done. This was one of my fundamental solutions to the creation of an effective 3-4 homeostat. It remains so, but it remains a dream unfulfilled. Thirdly, and despite the professionally admonitory warnings of the Checo team, I needed any indications that I could get in addressing the problems discussed under the latter topic, uh, the later topic heading externalities. I did get such indications. Time did not permit the fructification of the plans made under this heading, but I have no reason to think, with hindsight, that the indications of the Checo simulations were misleading. Uh, yeah, so essentially this, this loop uh, between system, uh, one, two, or systems 1, 2, 3, and system 4 uh, was not effectively closed. Uh, it's the, the information from system 4 was not going down to system 1, uh, and uh, also the information that was being collected from the lower level systems uh, was uh, collected asynchronously and was collected out of date. And also uh, you would have some data coming in on time and other data coming in later. Uh, so the it was uh, not a real-time information stream that was flowing up to System 4. Uh, Shane, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting that that's just a classic just feedback loop breakdown. Um, there seems to be a bootstrapping problem here specifically that the, uh, the timely delivery of data didn't already exist and the, the sort of mechanisms for dissemination of the results didn't already exist. Um, and so I think this kind of indicates that you would need to, I mean, this would probably be a lot easier to do now because you wouldn't be just going on a cold start and with fairly primitive technology. But you would need to have these like tight feedback loops already in place, even if they're not doing very much. So that the, the, the timeliness and the, um, the kind of up-down feedback of like pushing your results back out to the economy and to the workers and then pulling back in again, pushing out, pulling in, that needs to be pretty damn fast. And you'd probably need... Like it's, it's like a prefigurative thing. You need some kind of ramp up onto that so that you don't have like, oh, hey, look, we got to hold, do a whole new thing from fucking scratch. And like, like, oh, we don't have any of the data. We can't get it fast enough. And also we don't yet have a culture of like workers receiving this kind of feedback in, in real time. Those all kind of need to be built up 
before you get to this point and they, they couldn't do it before that point so i don't know it's um it, it seems kind of obvious why it would fail yeah and i mean if you go back to uh the previous section of the book or the two sections back and you look at the uh physiology uh stuff you know system four is supposed to be receiving multiple information streams right like mm-hmm. it, it it's a very connected uh system and what they set up here was really not that you yeah. know it, it's, it's also notable that like in a in an organism it's, it's it's not like it's not like the embryo grows and then at the very end a system four gets bolted onto it like it's it has to be present all the way through mm-hmm. to direct the development even when it's doing very little it still has to do it yeah and muscle up and build up this kind of thing so it's it goes goes from very little to doing a lot but it can't it can't just be like plumped onto something that's already there um, and kind of expected to take over which means that for us there's a prefigured development to this that like we have to get practice in the proletariat of being able to do this that also means practice of being able to respond very quickly to directives um, which also means trust right you have to have workers organizations that you can actually trust that when you know, the alarm signal goes up and it's like, quick, fuck, let's move, do this thing. You can actually kind of just do it and trust that you're not getting fucked over by some bureaucrat. bureaucrat. There's mm-hmm. a lot of prefiguration necessary there to make all that work. Right, right. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, the System 4 attempt, uh, you know, Beer talks a lot in, in Brain about how uh, System 4 is very likely to fail, and uh, fail it did. Uh, it was a uh, not a success in uh, Project Cybersyn. Um, okay, so uh, then we get to the operations room, which I think we can talk... Uh, we can probably get through this section, I think. Uh, I think the, I mean, there's very little to it. It's mostly a description of how janky it was. Um, it's a description. <laughs> of like oh we use shitty projectors whatever i'm not uh, unless somebody i mean we can we can scan it to see, see yeah. is there no i mean it, it, it's a lot of that so um i'll just read the intro and then we'll we'll kind of like talk about some of these particulars uh in chapter 13 a basic design was given for an operations room we built it in santiago according to that specification with the exception of the use of a hybrid computer, they're uh, advocated for economic simulation. So they did not have the computer uh, as part of this room. Yeah. Because uh, they only had one computer. Uh, as previously explained, we use the digital program Dynamo to begin the Checo investigations uh, because it already existed and we were in a hurry. But a subcontract was initiated in Britain because the analog hardware could not be found in Chile to pursue the hybrid idea. It did not come to fruition. Basically, the reason was that the research group were waiting for the Checo team to reach conclusions about the models they were constructing before they themselves could do very much. So, uh, from what I remember, this was like a partially analog system. And uh, obviously, that means that uh, a lot of the functions have to be uh, like hard coded into the system, and you cannot uh, just like dig- like uh, reprogram them on the fly because they're like literally wired in. Uh, like it, this is like in the circuit board itself. Like you, you can't just like change it. Um, so if the Checo team didn't know what the hell they were doing. Uh, then there's no sense in building an analog computer to implement a poorly designed model. Uh, yeah, uh, Jake, you had something to say? I just, yeah, I think we can probably skip over this, but I just wanted to uh, mention one thing, which is the, the paragraph at the top of 270 where he talks about um, the, the system with five knobs rather than a numbering system with big hand controls, large knobs with strong springs that can be thumped. Once more, this room was a prototype room for use by workers' committees and not a sanctum sanctorum for governmental elite. I think I think that's the only important bit in the uh, in this little section because it's like like you want it to be feel to feel tactile, to feel like you're actually moving the things with your like with your actions, not just like 
you know, like it's very easy, especially now as things have become even more like abstracted via like screens, like touch screens. It's like, uh, you know, you're moving this slider up, but it doesn't feel like you're moving anything. And so it's like, are you really like feeling that by your actions, you're like moving a part of the economy? Not unless you can like slam your hand down on a button and be like, no, I want it this way. Let's try it this way. You know, I think that um, that that kind of visceral, like human feeling of like moving things with your hands and like uh, manipulating things is like cool. And we should bring that back. And um, <laughs> and and I also liked him uh, talking about uh, like it, it's a place for uh, workers committees. Like it's not some like, you know, elite uh, government bureaucrats who like change numbers on paper and like shuffle paper around. It's like people can come in, you can move stuff and things change and you can learn that. And it's not a secret and it's not like, you know, coded in this like really obscure, like legal language or all these, like you think, you know, you need to know this, like read this book before you can manipulate these things. Like, I really like that. He talks about like, this is a simple thing that is managing a huge complex system but the point is that it's simple enough that anyone could conceivably use it and any and that it should be able to basically be like you know i could see this kind of thing be becoming like i like the idea of this control of the whole control system being something that you can like internalize and like turn to instinct as quick as possible so that you can really utilize the fact that we've got these like biological brains that are so much more complex than anything we can like program it's just a matter of like you know translating the language the meta language of the system into something that your brain recognizes very easily which like tactical controls do that yeah yeah for sure i mean this this kind of reminds me of like the interactive displays you'll find in a science museum right uh like they're they're designed to be operated by children and to be durable enough that they can be abused by children <laughs> uh so and, and they're usually very tactile uh but uh yeah i mean i think also like you can point to sort of like uh hybrid like hybrid synthesizers that use all these like knobs and stuff uh as like controllers that are very tactile and people enjoy using um even though the back end is all digital uh it's it's more it's more enjoyable it's it's more intuitive uh than yeah like clicking buttons and and, and like you know interacting with these uh on screen uh facsimiles of of buttons and sliders and and all that stuff um uh shane go ahead yeah this is like um i think we could learn a lot from like musical instruments and uh stage hardware there's like a lot of lessons have been learned in how to make uh these like tactile performance uh instruments and, and gear even like you're sort of ableton like button pads and stuff, but make, make them in such a way that they can stand up to absolutely horrific abuse on the road and on stage, um, but still function. Um, and the um, maybe the ultimate sort of interface for this thing is like an Evangelion sort of thing where you plug, get your fucking brain plugged into it. Um, but this, this bit about being hey, Elon, Elon Musk is on it. Don't worry. Yeah. He's, he's got yeah. he's got it figured out. No, no, no worries. Give me the worst. Um, but this thing with the workers, like the, the emphasis on the workers, reminded me of like being Jake's story. Reminded me as well of like I know a guy who like worked in um, like a machine and tooling for like a factory making cattle feed, and like they installed a new computer with like this touchscreen interface. And it was like I mean it was still industrial stuff, right? But it was like the you know the kind of touchscreen that like a Nintendo DS has. It's the it's the mm -hmm. resistive one rather than the capacitive one, so it's a little bit tougher anyway. But the guys would just come up to it with like screwdrivers and like. To like to punch in the numbers, you'd come running over like fuck! Did you, did you, did you, don't 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 do that! <laughs> you're gonna fucking break it immediately. Um, but yeah, it was like if you're if you're sort of in the flow of your work and stuff, you're not gonna fucking pause to like. It's a stylus. It's a stylus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> it's a Phillips head screwdriver. <laughs> but um, the thing has to be able to stand up to the kinds of 
use that it's going to get uh, with with people. Um, also, there was I don't know one tiny detail that jumped out at me from a previous bit that um. The, some of the, the two screens they put up are alerting signals for this enterprise and for all the child enterprises. So you get you get to see the alerts for me and for all the subsidiaries that I'm responsible for. Which seems like a really nice way to lay all, lay all that out. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, okay, uh, let's go to Matt and then uh, Brett. Yeah, I mean, uh, speaking of Musk, I've, I've heard, like, multiple people, both on the aerospace side and on, like, user experience side that are just horrified by the idea of, like, the, the fact that SpaceX has touchscreens, which is, like, there's reasons why they don't, you know, why they don't put touchscreens in, like, actual aircraft. Like, you know, like, like uh, yeah, it, as useful as it is for them to be flexible, like, you know, like, if, if you need to be able to make, like, split-second, you know, like, no-mistakes decisions, like, the joysticks and stuff, like, you know, like, they developed the way they did, like, for a reason. But also, like, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I love this concept for this part because, you know, I do think that that's, like, an important, um, uh, you know, uh, you know ver- version of, like, you know, uh, 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 removing the distinction between mental and manual labor, you know, democratizing access for everyone to the ability to optimize your job. You know, everyone can go to the place and see, oh, you know, like what, you know, what happens if I, uh, uh, you know, if I do this, like with this variable or, 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 or whatever. And, uh, and, and including, uh, even potentially like building their, their, their own interfaces and, uh, um, and, 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 and tools and stuff. Um, uh, um, I, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, you, you certainly imagine that, uh, a system like this might be hackable at the work site. <laughs> uh, wouldn't be wouldn't be too hard to uh, swap things in and out. Uh, uh, Brett, go ahead. Well, I was going to give another example too. Um, it's not like industrial workers are not used to using advanced tooling. I mean, if you look in the in, yeah. if you look in the uh, interior of any tractor cab in the meeting this year, you're going to see. All kinds of computers and calling the little funny little knobs, uh, and in fact, you're rather advanced. But it also like the, the thing is moving around and it's picking up, right? it's picking up like corn, right? Um, but I mean, that also shows the other side of what you shouldn't do, which is you should have a right to repair, you should have a right to hack it, which is something that none of these pro- modern tractors have, and um, they're all controlled by John Deere, um, unfortunately. So, there's something else to think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would uh, like certainly you would want to make this a hackable system. Uh, because, I mean, if the end users can modify it, then you can spread those innovations. Because, like, yeah, it's good to start with a... It's good to start with a design team of professional designers, but um, you can't assume that they're going to produce a final design that will be ultimate in all situations. Like, you know, having these monitors in the room and the stuff, like... Uh, I imagine that, you know, some work teams might want to move them around uh, and like they might want to add some extra buttons or, you know, all kinds of things like that. And none of that would be too hard to do as long as you kept things open, publish the spec, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, Shane, go ahead. Yeah, maybe just on the the hackable and replaceable thing. I mean, again, like I think the the world of like musical instruments can tell tell us a lot about theirs. So, like, I mean, drums, right? Like the drum shell is an expensive instrument, but the drum heads, like the skins, are completely replaceable. They're designed to be replaced right, pretty frequently, and like the the hardware that bolts them down and stuff is just kind of they're all standard screws and stuff. Um, so I think that that kind of industry has learned a lot about. Um, the parts of the thing that matter for like the core of the thing and then the parts that are just treated as replaceable and hackable right like so i mean um yeah i mean like even even the sort of electronic and electrical hardware has a long history of like user modifications and hacking to um to make it sort of fit the fit the scenarios um but yeah we could probably learn about a lot about like if you're, if you're going to be able to smash a button or whatever with your hand you're probably gonna have to treat it like a drum head where it's going to be something that will wear out after. Yeah, like look at uh, look at arcade cabinets, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. All the buttons on those are, are like smashable. You can just switch them out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and switchable, easy to switch in and out. Yeah, <laughs> you just lift up the uh, panel and uh, swap them in and out. Just pop in and out and hook up the wires. Um, Matt, go ahead. 
Yeah, I'm thinking about how, like, you know, uh, 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 you know, one of the reasons why, you know, tech careers are some of the more accessible ones for people with disabilities, is, you know, is because uh, I think partially because, you know, you, you know, you can customize your, um, uh, your, your interfaces and, 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 and your tools in ways that, you know, compensate for, like, what you specifically have trouble with. Um, uh, and so, like, you know, I think, you know, with a combination of, like, modular um, uh, modular hardware designs and, uh, uh, you know, maybe 3D printing, you know, like, uh, you, you, that could be added to other professions, you know, like, uh, where you really can, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, set up your own tools and, like, automate little parts of it that, you know, um, uh, you know, you, you, that, that uh, you, know, you um, that, that you have trouble with. Yeah, like, I think that would be, you know, that'd be dope. Be- hmm Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Uh- so some other stuff that's interesting in this section, um, I like that they uh, they did the algodonic signals uh, with the flashing red lights, but they dispensed with the ringing of bells. <laughs> Turns out that the uh, the 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 red alert uh, whining that you you hear the klaxon you hear. Uh, in Star Trek is uh, actually more irritating than it is useful. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's, that's, that's pretty funny. Um, other things, uh, they ended up building their, their like prototype room in the Reader's Digest building. So Re- Reader's Digest obviously is like, you know, I don't know if it's even around anymore, but it was this like extremely... Uh, reactionary uh, middle brow publication, uh, and so they they turned those offices into the 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 nerve center of the communist project, which is pretty amazing. Especially considering that they were the ones who first published the Road to Serfdom. Like it was a collaboration between them and Hayek. Um, so uh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, uh, let's see, uh, they talk about the screens, uh, really bizarre stuff, like really just hacked together solutions. So he talks a lot about how, like, he's not really into the idea of using video screens, uh, because they're, they're too hard to read and like, you know, I'm imagining, yeah, like some kind of CRT operating at like 240p at best with like a flickery screen, really low refresh rate, really low resolution. Uh, and he's like, you know, forget that. Just use an electromagnetic switcher uh, like those clickety clack uh uh signs that you see in uh train stations or airports uh instead of uh instead of using a really low res uh monitor that people are gonna have to like squint to try to read uh which honestly seems like a pretty good solution uh you know given the limitations of display technology at the time um uh shane go ahead yeah, that's the thing that strikes me about this. Is like so much of these um, limitations was just completely blown away by what we have available now. It's like if you look at the picture of the room that they had, and like the, the way the chairs are arrayed, and you can see those screens on the back on the, the the walls that are visible. And yeah, if they just had like a six inch fucking CRT or whatever on that wall, it'd be completely illegible. And they wouldn't be they wouldn't be able to have a screen the size of the thing you can see in the picture mm-hmm. and have it actually work well. But Today, there's no reason to not just have the whole fucking wall be screen. Like, you can just yeah, you make just it get like a flexible OLED display and trivial, have yeah. one gigantic screen across the whole mm-hmm. wall. So yeah. they're def- definitely working within the constraints of what they had. Um, and yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of that that I don't think is, is applicable. It's like you still need to make the thing legible, which means cranking up the font size or whatever um, on the mm-hmm. display. But um, yeah, just just have the whole wall, have every wall be the LCD displays. You know? uh, yeah, right. Um, uh, so there's projectors that were used. I mean, they had like back projectors. Yeah, to project onto the screens from behind. Yeah. 
in this like a lexical screen which is essentially like they had like a folder tree kind of design to it which is like okay well that's that's pretty familiar to everyone who's been using you know a computer since windows 3.1 uh, uh but um yeah uh the the checo screen um they were gonna have like a a per they were gonna have like projections data projections that were like kind of like a what you would see on like a seismograph with like multiple pen heads on moving paper so just like yeah you know like a, a drawing on a, a long uh, a long feet of paper to see you know line goes up line goes down that kind of stuff uh, again obviously irrelevant in our, our current uh, time um so yeah i mean they were designing around a lot of technical limitations um and as as i think was said uh it's 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 really the uh this idea of making a prototype that would be useful on the work uh in the workspace and would be uh durable is really the most interesting outcome aside from the stuff that uh we already covered in the previous section where the sort of pro like the the ideas for this uh were laid out uh, this is what we actually got um okay so the next section will be on uh project cybersyn as a whole um and uh i think that's going to take us pretty much through to the end of the chapter um, up to 278 i think 278 is the beginning of the people project as a section okay. so that's about eight yeah all right so next time we'll probably focus on cybersyn maybe get to some of the people project stuff uh mm -hmm. but uh yeah we're getting through this it's it's you know pretty soon we'll be done chapter 17 so that's good mm -hmm. Yeah, looks like we're going to be at this for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think so. I think I think we'll finish towards the end of the year in terms of uh, mm -hmm. getting through chapter twenty and all that stuff. So uh, yeah, thanks everybody. <laughs> Have you been up all night? Uh, yes, I, I oh, was no. not not all night, but oh, the previous the previous evening I was up until six in the morning. So oh yeah. no. Was, that was not Fucking good. Uh, so You're taking speed again. Are you on the speed again? <laughs> not on speed. I'm just just on insomnia. Uh, so. Speed might help you actually. <laughs> yeah, that's what I that's what I call it. I'm uh, I'm insomniac. That's what I call it. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the goofballs. It's mm -hmm. the goofballs. <laughs> oh, fun. All right. Well, uh, thanks, everyone. Uh, we're going to get into the, the big picture stuff of Cybersyn next time. Uh, and uh, I'll see you then. Fantastic. See you all. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Bye.